are listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. As you know, we're in the middle of our campaign, but as Rich talked about, we did send a letter out this week and doing a little bit of a background, uh, giving you a a more uh, succinct idea of giving. And the reason he mentioned that was that some of you, if you didn't receive it yet and you want to get it now, these are at the information booth. There's uh, a brochure about giving and then also that letter that he talked about with the response card there. There's right at the, there's some actually up front here and there'll be some in the lobby area. You can pick those up. But as he talked about, we're right in the middle of our campaign. That's our concentrated focus on God's story, his story, our story collectively, and my story, our individual story. And we've been going through different, there's different aspects of this campaign. One is the, the daily devotional, and that's what he talked about. If you don't have one, pick one up. I just I walked in and someone said today, oh, Mike, I love how all, all these things. Every day I get something new. And so pick it up. It's written by a lot of our people in, in here, and so I encourage you with that. There's also a the, a small group or what we're calling life group element. And if you're not in a life group, you can get in one. It's not too late. I know that ours, uh, I meet with one on, on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. It's open, all the time open. You can come in anytime. And, and it's right here at 7 o'clock and it's air conditioned. So, you know, it'll be just fine. And, and we got great snacks. So, you know, you come and enjoy the time together and we have some fun together. But if you're not in a small group, please do get in one of those life groups. It's important to do that. And then obviously it's a Sunday morning. We talk about uh, God's story and how to jump into God's story and that. And then there's also the service project element. And that's what's on the back of your worship folder. There's a, a number of opportunities. And on the front cover of the connections, you can see some people in their service opportunity. And there's one this Saturday and one next Saturday. But we need you to sign up to know who's there. And so you could do that and encourage you with that. Take out, matter of fact, this thing and turn it over to the notes section. There's a place to fill in some blanks or the answers will be up on the screen. And, and though we didn't mention it uh, before, there's a card in there in, inside this. This is our prayer card. We love to pray for you really do. Uh, he said, we don't know how to pray unless you let us know. <laughs> so write a prayer request for us, uh, something about we can pray for you about, or maybe you have a person that you know needs prayer, you can write that down there. If it's confidential, that means it only goes to our, our staff, our pastoral staff, and our elders, then just check that box, it only goes to them, but we would love to pray for you. You can put that in the, either hand, bring it up to me, or if there's a box in the back, or hand it to one of the ushers, but uh, as a matter of fact, the ushers have, if you don't have a Bible with you, they've got a Bible in their hand. They're walking down the aisle. If, if you want to borrow a Bible this morning, you're going to need it because we're going to look at it. We do that every Sunday, look in the Bible. But take your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 4 if you're not already there. And we'll launch into this. We're talking about, uh, um, and that Bible is a loner, by the way. Just leave it there at your seat when you're done. But we're talking about God's story. And, and who doesn't love story time? Remember story time as a kid? Or maybe you, you told the stories? Don't you just love that story time, uh, uh, hearing and seeing and, and reading stories? Story time is, is fun. It's, it's intriguing. It's entertaining. It's sometimes open up emotions and passions. You know, like when you watch the story about Braveheart. Oh, you just get all that emotion over and things blow up. You just love those kind of movies and, and stories. They motivate us. They teach us. They, they give us hope. They empower us, and especially when we're part of the story. I remember uh, um, when we would tell our kids stories. Uh, I love to make up stories, and, and I would always start a story like this. 
once upon a time, a long time ago. And, uh, and then I would go into the story, and there was a, a young boy, a young girl named, and i said, can you tell me what their name was? And they would start guessing names, and pretty soon when it got down to their name, and they said, yes, that's it! And they're thinking, oh, I'm part of the story! And they get so excited about that, and they're, they're, they're into that story because they were the hero. They were on the adventure. They triumphed, and they loved it. When we're part of a story, it is amazing and empowering, kind of like this girl here. Check this out. Okay, here's the setup. This guy wants to ask this girl to marry him. So he asks us to film a Hollywood-style action movie trailer featuring him so he can bring her out to the movie theater and pop the question in front of everyone. Here is the trailer followed by the magic. Every man has a destiny. There comes a time where every man must fight for his destiny. Every treasure is worth fighting for. No price is too steep. No sacrifice is too great. Every story has a beginning. Some things are worth fighting for, son. Every journey has a first step.
support me. I want to serve Jesus with you at my side. And uh, I want you to make me the most blessed man in the whole world. Elizabeth, would you marry me? What a great story. And what made that great is she was part of that story. He was part of that story. He just drew you right in. What great reactions. Those are actually great. <gasps> it's so beautiful. That was great. I love the guy. I don't know if you saw. There was a guy just eating popcorn in the back. <laughs> it was great. <clears throat> An empowered story as they started their first day of forever. Now, the truth is each of us are part of a true story like this. Jesus is calling and inviting each of us to be part of his story, the first day of forever for us, really forever. From the beginning of time, God has been revealing himself to humanity. Uh, God's word, the Bible, all of these different Bibles here in different languages, they all just ooze out the, the character and nature and wonder of God. They reveal him to mankind. We can look out in nature and see the majesty of God in the mountains, the power of God in the waves, the, the, the thunderous crash and almost puts a little fear into you, the lightning that hits. It all tells us about God. We can even look in the mirror and see the image of God. Matter of fact, look at the person next to you and say, you're the image of God. Uh, and you're going, whoa, that's a little bit of responsibility there. But the truth is, we are created in his image. We are like him in a lot of ways. And not only that, in the person of Jesus, the Christ, we see God. We've seen the Father as we've seen Christ. They all reveal how amazing and incredible and awesome and wonderful God is. It's a story of, 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 of him and, and humanity, and it started wonderfully in the garden with Adam and Eve and, and God, and they were walking in the garden having a wonderful time, and then something happened. A, a separation occurred between holy God and now sinful man. Isaiah 90 or 59, 2 puts it this way, <clears throat> Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Uh, that relationship was severed and a huge expanse was created between us and God with no hope of repairing, no hope of jumping into God's story any longer. Try as we might, there's no way to enter in. We're locked out, blocked out. A huge chasm exists between us and God with no way to get there. It seems like an awful story except God provided the answer. Out of God's great love, he provided a way for us to be redeemed. This is where Jesus enters the story. I love how Ephesians 1, 7 just kind of capsulates it right here. In him, that's Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. That word redemption means the ransom was paid. That there was a, a yes, a chasm between, between us and God because of sin. And the Bible says the wage of sin, the cost of sin is death. 
So the only way to bridge that gap is for someone to die. And that's what Jesus did. He ransomed himself and he died. He redeemed us from that sinful state, placed us in that state where we could be inside of God's story and live as we were designed to live. We're redeemed through his blood, through his death. And the forgiveness of our trespasses, that word forgiveness means to release. We're released from the penalty of our sin because of what Jesus did. According to the riches of his grace, that word grace is, is the loving kindness of God. In Hebrew, it's the word chesed, which is the, the, the undeserved kindness that we've been bestowed upon us by God. We don't earn it and we don't deserve it. It's just because God wants to. So through him, Jesus, we've been redeemed through the blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to his riches, uh, according to the riches of his grace. And to benefit from that is to believe. When we come to that point where we understand and realize that we're sinful, that we need a Savior and that it's Jesus, and then we commit our life to Him and we believe. <clears throat> Many of you have done that. Some of you are still on your way and I encourage you to keep moving. But that's not the end of the story. There's more. There's a whole life to be lived as we're restored to who we were created to be. Uh, Philippians 1 6 explains it this way. And I'm sure of this, that he, that's God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is the work of redemption and now the work of restoration for us to be as God designed us to be until Christ returns. See, there is more to our story than just salvation. There's more to God's story. And in our text today, in Matthew Matthew brings out two important ways Jesus brings us into God's story and how we might be part, an, an integral part of God's story. So let's look at that. But before we do, set your books aside and stand up just for a second and let's pray. God has something for you today. And I know He wants to challenge you and, and some of you are going to really be challenged and you're going to want to make some decisions and move forward. And so I, I, let's pray to that end. Father, thank you. Thank you that you brought us into this place to enjoy this time of worship, the coolness of this air conditioning and the time together. And God, I pray that you would meet with us this, these moments, that you would challenge us with what we need to be challenged with this morning, that we would jump into your story, quit just intersecting it and, and dabbling our feet in it, but actually to fully jump in. So challenge us, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat and keep out your outline. There's the blanks to fill in, the extra verses. Write them down. You'll want to do that because you'll want to study later. <clears throat> but two important ways Jesus brings us into God's story. We're brought into God's story as, as Jesus initiates and invites. Those are the two words you write in your outline, initiate and invite. So hopefully you're in Matthew chapter 4 looking at verses 18. I'm going to read verses 18, 19, and then verse 21. We'll hit the other verses in a moment. But while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, that's Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Let's hope so. <laughs> if they're casting nets, it reminds me of being fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Jump down to verse 21. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Jesus didn't wait for these guys to come to him. Nor did he have them go through some gauntlet of preparation or get some training or some degree. Jesus initiated 
and invited them to join his mission. Now, there was, there's more to this story because it wasn't like they were just walking there. Something else happened before this. Matthew doesn't record it, but Luke does. So take your Bible and flip over to Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 5, verse 1. Now, on, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats. Hmm, we just heard about two boats, two brothers, two sets of brothers. Here they are. Two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out and, and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little farther from land and he sat down and he taught from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, let's go fishing. And Simon goes, "Ah." <laughs> I've been out all night and caught nothing. There's no fish out there. And besides, you know, any good fisherman knows it's early in the morning or late in the afternoon or in the evening when you catch the fish. Nobody goes fishing in the middle of the day. But Simon relents. I'm paraphrasing here, by the way. (laughs) Simon relents and says, okay, we'll go. So he pushes out, he throws his net out, and all of a sudden there is a bazillion fish in there, every fisherman's dream. Huge success. He calls the other boat. It just so happens to be the, the, the uh, Zebedee and, and his sons. And they come and they pull in this humongous load of fish. And you would think Simon would go, Whoo, man, I'm a good fisherman. <laughs> but he recognizes that it's from Jesus. And Jesus had revealed a little bit of himself. Out of a little faith, some respect, and a bit of reverence, these guys tuned in to Jesus' invitation. Now, they weren't fully convinced. That came later, and it came with time. <clears throat> we all know of Peter's moments, <laughs> denying Jesus three times, and they all ran off after him. Maybe John got it more than others. We're not quite sure. But they all weren't sure. It took them a while uh, to get on with it. But they listened. They listened to Jesus' call. The question comes, what about us. Many of us have had the faith to get saved. We've come to that point in our life where we believe that we're sinful and need a Savior, and that is Jesus. Yet are we still listening to Jesus' invitation to join the story? For God's story of revelation, separation, redemption, and restoration is not just about your salvation. It's also about the mission of telling God's story. Write these verses down. Mark chapter uh, 16, verse 15. It says, go and preach the gospel. One of our missions is to go is to proclaim about Jesus, to tell the world about Jesus, uh, to go and to let them know about who Jesus is and what he's like. A lot of that is through our actions and our words. Not only that, we're to be, <coughs> as Acts 1.8 says, to be witnesses to simply tell our testimony of how God has changed us and let the world see it. Let our families see that we're different. Let our workplace see that we're different. And then we have the opportunity to be able to share them the plan of salvation, the, the way that they can know Jesus too. As 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, we are ambassadors. One of the missions that God has called us is to be an ambassador. We're to be, you know what the word Christian means? It means little Christ. 
that we're to be like Christ wherever we go, in our office, in our home, in our school, in our neighborhood, as we shop, as we drive, we're to reflect Christ. We're to be like him and to bring his attributes to wherever we go. We're to be ambassadors for him. And certainly in the good works, as Ephesians 2.10 says, that we're to be doing the good works in our community, helping out, uh, being that one person in your neighborhood that they can count on you to help out. And not just a few of us, but all of us. We all are to proclaim. We all are to witness. We all are to be ambassadors. We all are to do good works for God. We have a mission. We have a calling, a a significant, important, vital part of God's story. At such a time as this, God has put you in the home you're in, in the neighborhood you're in, in the office you're in, in the church you're in, in the city you are in, with your unique talents and abilities and outlook and personality. It's just the perfect fit for the perfect mission at the perfect time. And we're all to respond to Jesus' call. We're to respond to his call. Look at verses 20 and, uh, and 22 of back in Matthew chapter 4. Verse 20, immediately after they, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Verse 19, verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 21, they were casting their nets and Jesus said, follow me. And verse 22, immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Did they wait? Did they delay? Did that, they pause? Did they look for another sign? Did they postpone for more convenient? Now I'm all, okay, I'm, you know, Jesus, I, I, my kids are young and I've got this big business. Now look at all the fish I've got. I mean, I really, it's just, it's just not convenient for me. I just, it's not the right time. I just, I really can't. If they said that, wouldn't they really say, I really won't? Now, yes, we need to count the cost, be responsible. We still have the, the power to choose, but if we know it's an invitation from Jesus, I know you'd want to respond like I would, like these guys did. These guys responded immediately. The word means forthwith, right away, at once, next, now. Not when I get around to it, not if it's opportune, not if it fits my schedule, my expectations, my dreams, my wants. It's fitting into Jesus' schedule into his story. The question comes, are, are we really listening? Are we listening to that call to reach out to that neighbor, that person that God has put on your heart, that children's ministry opportunities, or you've been reading the back of the worship folder and you see all these volunteer needs and your heart moves. Man, I really should do that. I can play an instrument. I want to be on the worship team. I can be involved in different things. I, I can help out with hospitality. I and you're being prompted by the Lord and, and that short-term experience that keeps coming up time and time again, that service project, uh, getting involved in a life group. My goodness, Mike says it every Sunday to get involved in a life group. I don't need a life group. I got it. I'm all set. It's not about what you need. Maybe God wants you there because there's someone who needs your insight. See, it's not all about you. Say it's not about me. It's not about me. God may want you in that life group, not for what you're going to get out of it, but what you're going to give. 
It's about Jesus' mission, God's story. Yes, we need to discern. Let me just give you three really quick helps to discern. Write these down. First, is it biblical? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Hold every thought captive to the word of God. Does it fit with the word of God? Is what I'm being asked to do, inclined to do, does it fit with what God's word says? That's one way to discern. Another way is to seek counsel. Proverbs 12, 15 says, A fool is right in his own eyes, but the wise seeks counsel. And be careful what kind of counsel you go to. Don't go to all the people that are just like you. Go to someone who's wise. In other words, look at their life and see wise things happen. If somebody is really bad at investing, don't go ask them investing questions. <laughs> be wise with that. <laughs> There's this one guy who's struggling in a relationship. He went to this guy who just cannot have a relationship. He's just, just, and I went to them, and this is what they said to do. I said, really? You couldn't have come to somebody who you know has better. Well, I wanted somebody to say what I wanted them to say. That's not seeking wise counsel. Number three, does it glorify God? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Not glory of self or my cause, but God's glory. In other words, that if you walk away, does God really get the glory? And all the time, is it God the one who prays? Are you looking for something more where you get the praise? Jesus has already invited and initiated that call to you. Many of you are. You're listening. Keep responding. Don't lose heart. Others of us need to respond. We need to decide to hear, to accept Jesus' invitation to join his mission. Is that where you are? Do you need to really step out and really listen? How many of you would say, you know, I I need to listen a little bit more to Jesus' call? Anybody? Yeah, let me pray for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for the reality of your word and how it challenges us. Help those of us who raise our hand that says we need to listen more to you. God, I pray that they would hear your voice clearly, that they would get what you want them to do. Not that all of us should be involved in ministry, Lord. We know that, but there's certain things you want us to do and we want to go about them, so help us understand that. Lord, we know it's going to be tough, but help us in that. And guide us and direct us, Holy Spirit. Do your work in us, we pray in your Son's name. Keep listening to God. Keep at that. Not only did Jesus initiate and invite these fishermen and us to be part of his mission, God's story, but God creates and coaches. Look at uh, um, Matthew 4.19. You can look at it in your scripture, but it's also on the screen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That word make means to create, to form, to construct to bring about, to coach, to build into them the abilities. See, Jesus doesn't call us to the impossible. Yes, on our own it's impossible, yet with God all things are possible. Matthew 19, verse 26. The question is, do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Philippians 1, 6 says, You began a good work and you will complete it. Do you really believe that? That God is at work in you. 
Sometimes we think, oh, you know, God's at work in the person next to me and that person, he's certainly not working me because I'm too bad, too messed up. I got too many problems. That's just not true. God is at work in every single one of us. Believe that. Uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 says that God has given us gifts and abilities. Each one of you, all of us, God has given unique gifts and abilities right from him. He's given it right to us. Do you believe that? Well, no. I mean, he's given this person really good talent, and they can get up and speak, and I can't speak. And You've got other talents. God didn't all call us to be mouths or eyes. He called us to be other organs. Sometimes he called us to be in the appendix, which we're not sure what it does. <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> God has called us and given us gifts. This one's hard for us. James chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Consider it pure joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, only the testing of your faith produces endurance. Do you really believe that the trials that God has given you are there to build endurance in your life? Oh, man, I've got too many problems. God just must have abandoned me. He must have left me alone. He's, he's not doing anything in my life. And look at all these problems and issues I have. No, God's at work with you. He's bringing you through some exercise, some training. What coach in the world would say to their team, oh, no practice ever. No drills. We're just going to let you just show up. And hopefully you'll do well. No. What does the coach do? Work, work, work. No harder, faster, run more. And he's coaching you all the time, trying to push you to that limit so that when you get out and perform, you do your excellent best. And God's the same way with us. So that's why you consider it joy, brother, when you encounter various trials. Because God is a great coach. Say, I'm going to bring him through this one. It's going to be really hard, but they're going to really grow through it. And they're hard. Believe me, they're hard. Ask anybody who practices for some sport. It is difficult. But do you believe that God is training you? Do you believe that God is coaching you? Because that's exactly what's happening. And then 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 7, the Bible trains us. All scriptures, God breathed profitable so that we can be trained in righteousness. God has given us the training manual. And he's given it to us. That's why it's so vital to get into it. How can you even be a believer and not read your Bible? It's our lifeline. It's our understanding. It's our true revelation of God. It's how to live, how to make it in life. And it's all there. Do you believe it? Then read it. Let it show. Show through how you live. Show by jumping into God's story. These guys in our text, and, and, and like them, we are to surrender to his mission. Look at verses uh, 20 and uh, 22 again. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 20, verse 22. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. They surrendered their lives to Jesus. It requires sacrifice. They left their livelihood. They left family. They left what was familiar. They left a huge success. All those fish. (laughs) They left what was normal. They left what was accepted. They left what was comfortable and they followed Jesus. You know, there's no way around this. Jesus doesn't fit into our story. Sure, they may intersect at times, 
But to really be part of his mission, God's story, it's going to take sacrifice. Us jumping into his story. Even in the tough places of life, like my time, my money, my relationships, my wants. See, it's when we hold to that sense of me or mine or my where the problem really comes in. For what is at our center, what is at the center of our life, what we hold as most precious, most valuable, is what we really sacrifice for. So what really is the, the center of your life? Is, is it us? Is it, is it self? Or is it Jesus? See, what, what Jesus promises, and the great truth of faith is, is when we seek Jesus first, everything else aligns. Write down Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God, that's Jesus on the throne, on the center of our life. And all these things, that's all the priorities of life, will fall into place. We become better spouses. We become better parents. We become better friends, better managers of the resources God has given us. And let me just throw in here that closeness of God doesn't mean we're going to be monetarily rich. That's called a prosperity gospel, and that's nowhere teaching in God's word. Rich, poor, healthy, sickly, popular, unknown, neither are indicators of judgment. They just are. And it will take sacrifice if we want a part of God's story, part of God's mission. Write write down... And look at these two stories later. Matthew 19, verses 16 to 22. It's a story of the rich young ruler. This very wealthy guy, which everybody in that society would say, ooh, God has blessed them. That they must be doing something right because they must be living according to God because according to God, if you live right, you get rich. Just like this guy. Look, he's rich. And he's a young ruler and he's even religious. He comes to Jesus and he says, what do I need to do to, to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to really be a follower of yours? And Jesus says, well, you know what the Bible says. Obey your father and mother, follow the commandments. And, and the guy says, he's even religious. I do all that. Oh, this guy's got it all. And then Jesus says, but, but, but one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And the guy looks at Jesus like, what, what, what did he just say? Did he just say sell a little of what? Just a few things? I mean, I give money. No, he said sell everything. He asked him to sacrifice. And what did the guy do? He went out and did it and followed Jesus. No. He slumped and he walked away because what he valued was more important than Jesus. That was the rich guy. Here's another story. Write down Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to around verse 30. <clears throat> because rich or poor, it goes the same way. Here's, here's the uh, poorest of all the servants. If you know the story, it's a story, the parable of the talents. Jesus is telling a story, and he says there's a, a, a master who had three servants. Uh, one of them, well, actually two of them, he handed a lot of money to. 
one he handed ten talents, the other five, and he said here, and then he had one they didn't really hand very much, who so just kind of threw him, <laughs> threw him a bone. He gave him just a, a little bit of his wealth. And he said, go. And the master went away, and the two that received a lot, man, they rolled up their sleeves, and they, they went out, and they started working hard. They, they, they invested, they took the risk of the master's money, and they invested it, and they, they went in, and they probably went back and forth, and maybe they lost some, and they gained some, and they sweated, and they, they, did, they, they, they took that risk. They, 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 they surrendered their time. They worked hard, and they were greeted by the master saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. Yet the poorest one does nothing with this, just lays us around, and when, when he calls into account of it, does he confess right away? No. He actually blames the master. Well, well, you're so hard. It's so hard to work for you. And you made me afraid. And I'm really, I can't handle this. And, and he gets all upset about that. But the master calls him on it and says, You self-seeking, lazy servant. Wow, <laughs> Jesus is serious about this. See, this servant was, wasn't willing to sacrifice his own time for the master. So regardless of what God has given us, rich, poor, healthy, sickly, popular, or unknown, to gain from his creating in us and coaching in us takes surrender. Many of you are. Great. Keep surrendering. It's a lifelong pursuit to surrender my story and be part of Jesus' story. Others of us need to, need to step in. Others of us are either like the rich young ruler or the poor servant, and we're still unwilling to sacrifice ourselves for God, for His story. All of us need to be in that point of surrender where we say, I'm willing to surrender. I'm willing to surrender for you. Whatever it takes, whatever you ask me to do, Jesus, I am willing to surrender to you. Anybody brave enough to say, I I need to surrender to God? Stand up. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for these who are standing and and, uh, indicating they really need to surrender more to you. I know I stand the same way. I want to surrender all of myself. Too much, I get either like that rich young ruler or I get like that lazy slave and I want it my way. Forgive us of that, Lord. Forgive us. Help us to be more like these disciples who immediately followed you, who sacrificed everything to do whatever it is that you've asked us to do. And Lord, again, help us to discern that, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat. Continue to let God create what he will in you. Learn. Get help. God is at work in you when you surrender. You see, once upon a time, not a long time ago, but today, a servant of the Lord. What's their, what's their name? Oh, oh, it's, it's you. It's, it's me. Heard that Jesus initiates and invites And so they responded to his call.
They also heard that Jesus creates and coaches, and so they surrendered to his mission. Let's let that be our story. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the reality of your word. Thank you for the way it challenges us and moves our hearts to passionately seek after you. Help us to do that. Help us to to respond to you. Help us to surrender to you. Help us to listen. Help us to move. And help us to jump into your story. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Communion has always been a a great reminder of God's story. We, through this series, are celebrating communion every Sunday. Our normal uh, tradition has been once a month, but we've been celebrating it every Sunday. It's been really encouraging. Many of you have really appreciated that. It's been a a wonderful time. And so if those who are helping ready the communion, they would head to the tables and make them ready. We're going to move into this time of communion. I love what uh, um, Ephesians 1.7, it reminds us of the reality of what communion means. In him, that's Jesus, we have redemption through his blood that Christ gave his all. And when we eat the the bread, it reminds us of the body of Christ, his physical being. It doesn't become his body. It simply is a reminder of his body and what he went through. He went through pain and suffering for us to be redeemed. It wasn't just some flippant thing. It was a real cross, real nails, real crown of thorns, real whips, real everything, real pain that he went through. And we're never to forget that. And but it's for the forgiveness of our sin, our trespasses, according to his riches of his grace. And when we take that cup, that cup that's supposed to re- remind us of the, of the redemption because it was in this Passover Seder that was the cup of redemption to remind us of the, the sweetness of God's redemption. It's different. You don't have to earn anything with it. It's just simply take it in and let the sweetness roll down your throat as a reminder that we now have something new with God a new relationship with him based on grace just because God blesses us with it. Just like the grapes that produce this grape juice bless us with that. And so we're to think about those. And how we do it, our custom is, is that we have four stations, two in front, two in back. And when I'm done praying and you're ready, you go collect the elements, take them with you back to your seat, and we share that together. That's what, it's communion. It's in commune and in, in togetherness. We will take it together as we're reminded that. But, but as you're holding the, the bread, think of what Christ has done. And as you're holding the cup, be reminded of the newness of relationship that God has invited you into his story. The invitation is there. You just have to get in. Now certainly because of the power of these elements and what they mean to us, we need to make sure that we're right with God. So take a moment and make sure you've confess any sin and if you don't know him you can just simply just say Lord I, I, I thought I believed but I want to make sure I believe and so I, I know I'm sinful I need a savior and, and, and I just commit my life to you right now and it's this time where you take communion as a real believer and by the way if you do that let us know we want to give you some materials to help you grow but let me pray when you're ready you come Father thank you for the reality of your word for the joy that we can have entering into your story may this time of communion be a wonderful reminder of you, Lord Jesus, that we're redeemed by your blood, forgiven by your grace. pray this in your son's name. When you're ready, you come.